Your cider guy? Oh, I would love one, yeah. Hey, get your hands off my beer. No, I'm sorry. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is January 25th, and on this special, wonderful broadcast day, I'm Eric Planey. I'm Lucas Finko. I'm Nick Krauss. I'm Jiro Ito. And together, along with some special guests in a few minutes, we are the Pirates of Clean Tech. Yar! Yeah. Wow. That was good. Yar, yeah. You see, the peer pressure when you're live in person, I think, really steps up over Zoom. Uh, we're going to get right into it because we have a lot going on today, but this is a very special day for us. Lucas and I were so graciously accepted to be hosted by our friends at the Urban Future Lab in Brooklyn, New York, and we have had a long shared history. And we also have a great guest from the Boston area, so we've got a little Yankees-Red Sox thing going on here, uh, from Greentown Labs. And we're going to have some great guests, three startup companies, that are going to tell us a little bit of their story, but they're special because of their international presence. And so what we like to do, Lucas, I'll turn it over to you, introduce our guests maybe and talk a little bit, you know, talk about the program. Sure. Are you um, okay? Are you up for it? Well, yeah. why don't I let off with Jiro? Jiro, it was here good. from the Urban Feature Lab, right? Absolutely. So, and why you? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm Jiro. Um, I've been with the Urban Future Lab team for several years now. Uh, involved in working closely with founders, um, climate tech founders, helping them scale up and grow their operations here in the New York market. So we run several accelerator programs, happy to dive more into the work that we do there. Um, one exciting one for us um, happening currently is our work with the Innovate UK, uh, so our partnership there, uh, where we have a cohort of UK-based climate tech startups uh, looking to explore the U.S. market here. So you know, Nick and I are closely involved with supporting the startups there, and you'll learn more about those teams. Cool. All right, Nick, take it away. I'll hop right in. My name is Nick Kraus. I actually am in an interesting position of working between Greentown Labs and Urban Future Labs, supporting some of our joint programming. So there's a long history of linkages between the two organizations to support clean tech really across the eastern seaboard here. Um, program near and dear to my heart is the Innovate UK program, which Jira and I are working on together. And we're so excited to have these UK-based companies here in New York City right now, really understanding and exploring the market. So... Yeah, I'm excited to jump into that. Today. So, do they physically make you live in Hartford? Like, is it in the pain point? <laughs> I take the train up and down every day. No, I actually do live in New York, so that is a point of clarification. I live oh. in New York, but work with between the two teams, so it's really all Yankees. Yankees Day here today. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll do my shame. I'll, well, I grew up in Cleveland, so we're not going to be all Yankees fans. Yeah, no, I mean I'm a Texan originally, so. Uh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's exciting to be here because of the great things that you guys have been doing, uh, and especially in collaboration. I mean, we joke about rivalry between Boston and New York, but in terms of clean tech open and so many other things right. to promote uh, green innovation, yeah. there's been great things happening. And so maybe just give us a quick introduction of the companies that we're going to see, not necessarily by name, but how did the Innovate UK program come to light mm -hmm. and what's its ultimate goal for benefiting the Northeast region and ultimately the U.S.? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, happy to So um, our partnership with Innovate UK had started um, several years ago, um, really just early conversations on, you know, we have this great ecosystem here in New York City. Um, there's a lot of great innovation happening internationally all over the world, but in particular in the UK through the various networks, the innovation networks uh, supported by uh, the various government agencies there. And when it comes to energy innovation, climate tech innovation, a lot was happening there. And we, when we thought as far as the New York some of the ambitious and broad goals that we have around sustainability, you know, why not source some of the solutions from, you know, like other countries? And so, um, you know, as we thought about that as an approach, um, 
naturally it just became a uh, program that we wanted to launch with Innovate UK. And so now um, we're in our th third cohort year. Um, each year we select, it's a competitive process to find the most promising climate tech startups in UK and help them with uh, market entry here. So, Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Nick, what's your perspective on why this program is so important and yeah. how do you measure success maybe in yeah. a couple years down the road? Yeah, it's a really good question. So we were talking with folks from Nystarter earlier today and, you know, they they we're going over the ambitious climate goals that New York has, and really we all came to the collective conclusion that, yes, we want to support you know, homegrown innovation, but the scale of the challenges, the scale of the goals and ambitions is so large, we can't be so selective to where we're only focusing on mm -hmm. solutions from New York State. Really, we need to scan the globe and look for solutions that are really high impact, can support climate goals, can support job growth, mm -hmm. and you know, the green economic transition, and why not look to places like the UK that really have a great ecosystem of that? There's such mutual beneficiality here mm -hmm. of, you know, supporting these companies who are looking to do international expansion, and then on the US side, really benefit from some of the innovation that's being driven there, hopefully locate, you know, new headquarters or offices somewhere on the eastern seaboard in mm -hmm. New York or Massachusetts, and so it just makes a lot of sense from a number of levels, these sorts of international partnerships, and I think we need more of them, frankly, as Amen. we move forward. So on that note about kind of key metrics, KPIs, I think there are a lot of things we're looking for here. One is within the program, we want to see these companies really reaching out, knocking on physical or virtual doors to talk with potential customers and actually get to know the market take a more agnostic customer discovery approach of not just going in and trying to sell, but actually learning and listening to what customers, potential customers in the States are saying, just because each local context is so different. Um, so that's one thing. But then, you know, the ideal outcome in the future would be to see companies locating here, um, whether that's opening offices, expanding operations, engaging in pilots, um, and we've seen that with previous cohorts already, and so it's it's exciting. I feel like this is just the beginning of this type of programming. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, can you talk to us a little bit about the, the companies we're going to see? Who are the yeah. three companies? Yeah, we're going to see companies that uh, span the whole uh, kind of um, category of climate tech, uh, from mobility solutions to grid solutions. Um, you know, we look, we take a pretty broad approach to um, uh, figuring out, you know, which are the best uh, in-league, uh, you know, built environment startups and the like, um, renewable energy startups, and are picking the best to join us in this cohort. Um, I'll leave it to them to describe more about the, you know, technical side of their innovations and the, what they're working on. But, you know, we'll see exciting startups that are in mobility, uh, renewable energy, you know, anything to do with the, the kind of transition um, that's happening with the energy sector today. So, Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, we're happy to say when we look at our numbers at Pirates of Cleantech, we actually have a listening audience from the UK. We've mm -hmm. had uh, some Thanks. British guests in the past. Okay. So some of them may actually be listening and watching this episode uh -huh. and saying, how do I, as a clean tech startup, how do I get involved in this so that I can think about my growth into the US? Mm -hmm. Is there a way for them? What, what is the portal in the UK for them to look at? Absolutely. Um, so the um, RFPs, the call for startup applications, are, are managed by our partners at uh, Innovate UK. Uh, under the umbrella of the Innovate UK Global Incubator Program, GIP for short. Um, so there's a website for that. And each time there's a call for applications for a cohort, um, you know, th that will be um, updated on the website. So uh, interested startups can hop on there, uh, fill out application. And uh, yeah, from there, we'll, we'll uh, you know, as part of the team here, you know, we'll be uh, keeping an eye out for the most promising, exciting climate tech startups that are interested in, you know, wow. being yeah. in the New York ecosystem. 
And I'll say, yeah, uh, typically late summer, early fall is when or we're expecting the next cohort to launch, so we'll keep everybody posted. And then also something exciting is that each cohort culminates in an event in New York where companies really get to showcase mm-hmm. their solutions to people relevant to the ecosystem. And so mm-hmm. it's a really good opportunity for these companies coming in. Well, I recommend also, I live up in the Hudson Valley, and I really recommend maybe taking those companies up there because there's yeah. a lot of sites, mm-hmm. there's a lot of places where you're, you're going to think, what the hell? There's a lot of places where the British were actually pushed back by the American in the Revolutionary War. There's a lot of historic sites. And I think, what yeah. what a better tone what to say. Yeah, what a narrative. Wow. You know, Boston, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Reclaim yeah. the narrative, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, first off, it's amazing. Normally, we, we sometimes send our guests questions ahead of time. We do not send you guys any questions, and you just really nailed it in mm. terms of giving us great information. So yeah. we're going to keep an eye on this program, and we would love to have you guys back maybe in a year or so to hear a little bit more of some of the success stories and, and maybe who came and got rooted here. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, cool. this is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and we should say our audience, I mean, it's great. They're having a happy hour in honor of Lucas and I being here. Exactly. <laughs> Your pictures are up there. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. We got, we got our logo up here. <laughs> and they even picked my favorite cider and Lucas's favorite beer. I mean, no lie. So I'm an angry orchard guy and you're a Boston guy. So. Yeah. So exactly. Cheers to that. Yeah. Well, hey, cheers, cheers guys. Good luck yeah. with everything. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, right. we'll be back in a second. And we are back, and we had the great introduction from the team uh, talking about the Innovate UK program. And now we have the first company. And uh, Anastasios, you were from Greece originally, but you're operating in the UK right now. So please tell us about SMP Net. Absolutely. First of all, many thanks for having me here. It's, It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, so I'm Anastasios, I'm the CEO and co-founder of SMPNet. As you said, we've been operating out of the UK and we're trying to expand now internationally because we serve clients already in Spain, Greece, and we're trying to enter uh, uh, the US as well. Now, SMPNet is a technology company who have developed essentially software that operates networks in a better way. So we're targeting essentially utilities, as you, as you can imagine. So for example, Con Edison, National Grid, and the likes of it to help them have a better solution, software in their control room, to keep on top of their networks, let's just say. Um, If I can extend a little bit on that, what I mean is, you may be familiar with what we call uh, distributed energy resource management systems that typically sit in the control room of a a utility, of a DSO as we call them in the the UK. And what we do is we enhance these capabilities by offering real-time control. So essentially, we offer option to utilities to have a more dynamic management into the network that goes much closer to real time. And that, of course, is necessary because as we increase the penetration of renewables into the network, everything, all operations are happening much more dynamically. The, you know, the configuration of the network changes, the uh, generating conditions change, you know, the solar uh, doesn't generate the same because the sun doesn't uh, shine the same at all times. The same applies to wind and so on and so forth. That's a lot. <laughs> Go for it, Lucas. <laughs> so currently, utilities don't have this, right? What, yeah. what do utilities currently have that doesn't do this? That's actually a very good question. So the control room of utilities at the moment is equipped with a, a relevant software that doesn't have the capability to operate the networks as close to real time as we could go. And what I mean by that is that they normally do dispatch of the network. We call it an optimal dispatch. That is an optimization algorithm that runs on the background and determines 
which of the assets are going to generate how much and at what time. That is normally run on a day ahead basis, as we call it. So today it's going to run for tomorrow across half hours and for the 24 hour period, right? That is normally run, as you can imagine, at midnight. Okay. Now, that has been great for the last 20 years or so, but it's not anymore the case because, as I said, within half hour, many things can change. And at the moment, utilities don't have the option to catch these little changes and redirect the resources in order to be able to always ensure resilient, secure uh, uh, supply of energy. Wow. Okay. Are you talking at the transmission level or the distribution level? That's again a very good question. I'd say the distribution is the problem here and our yeah. sweet spot is the distribution because okay. of the number and diversity of assets that you have at the distribution. Right. The situation at the transmission level is still a little bit simpler, let's say, because we have fewer units that generate power at you know very high voltage level and yeah. all they have to do is actually send it down to the uh, distribution level. But that, and then of course down at the consumer points. But that is at the distribution level, the situation is much more complex. We have multi-directional power flows, and that is because we're going from a paradigm of having few tens or hundreds of generating units to having hundreds of thousands of right. units. Right. Just as a, as a figure you have in mind how, how this is changing, 30 years ago, the UK, I'm going to speak about the UK because I know the situation, they had 30-something um, generating units that were controlling energy you know, high voltage power stations through transmission distribution, they were supplying the various customers. Now, this number in the UK is 600,000 uh, assets, and it is due to go at 1 million in 2030. And of course, this is the same situation in other countries, including the US, as you can imagine. And that's why our sweet spot is really at that voltage level where all these assets are being placed, which is the distribution level. Right, right. So, I'm going to switch gears a little bit on you. So. Uh, you've talked a little bit, obviously, about the problems in the UK. There's some similarity, I think, with the US. But more specifically, you are using this program to enter uh, through great two great accelerators, UFL and Greentown Labs. What is uh, what is your goals for the next year or maybe two years by entering this program? Are you trying to really establish yourself in the Northeast at first? What type of utilities are you looking for? How do you want to set up in so that you can have some successes to build off of down the road? Excellent question, yeah. really an excellent one. Okay, so at the moment, the, let's say, game we're playing is that of proving the value of the technology. At the moment, the technology is well established within our company, and we've done benchmarking testing centers, and also we landed customers, as I said, in uh, Spain and Greece. What we haven't done is prove the demand in the US, and that's what we're aiming to do with this program. So. For us, this program acts as a soft landing point into uh, New York initially. And through that, we hope to be able to actually understand how the market works here because there are distinct uh, differences, to be perfectly honest with you. And so we want to understand what is the market, what does the market look like for us here. And of course, run a few pilots to prove the demand for the technology. So we've been in discussions with various, various utilities here, including ConEdison. And national grid in New York and, and Boston and we hope to be in a position very soon to run pilots with these utilities that would indicate the value of the technology so for example this could be just to give you an example of course that is only a use case right let's say <coughs> that you have at some point in your network you have a primary substation as we call them this would be high voltage within this medium voltage level essentially substations 
that would have significant uh, connection of renewables and that would create congestion as we call it in the networks. You can imagine that as a traffic light system essentially into networks because uh, uh, you know energy simple electrons running cables right mm-hmm. so what happens is we get because of the uh, connection of the very various renewables these overloads in the networks uh, which could be in cables or the, the, the transformers in the primary substations right we offer uh, congestion management uh, uh, functionalities which essentially is a tool that regulates the various resources in order to ensure that, to ensure that you never exceed the capacity of the cables, the capacity of the mm-hmm. substations, and therefore you alleviate the congestion. And this can have massive benefits for the for the utilities because you know uh, overloads can create issues in the network. They they, they do create trippings, and trippings of trippings of course lead to uh, losing uh, generation, uh, having to disconnect customers, and of course you know this is a, a massive problem. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things I'm thinking about is Massachusetts, for example, 10 cities in Massachusetts are going to run pilots where every building Mm -hmm. has to uh, be no fossil fuels and it'll be completely electrified in, I think, five, 10 years. So, you know, the idea of the grid is going to have to react so much differently to those loads. So I think it's a great, great program. Um, What is your website and where can people find out more about uh, SMPNet? Yes. Uh, SMPNetworks.com. Excellent. Well... Anastasia, this was fantastic. Thank you for a very brief overview. We got to cram in three companies, but uh, uh, we wish you the best of luck, and I hope we stay in touch. Thanks very much, guys, yeah. and cool. I hope that I will be uh, chatting with you more now that we're landing over the U.S. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers to that. Welcome to the U.S. Good to be here. And we are back. We are, this is like the speed dating of clean technology here on Pirates of Clean Tech today. But our second guest is uh, Abby. Yes, sir. And you are you are co-founder and managing director of Technobuilt, very cool company. Tell our audience a little bit about Technobuilt. Great. So Technobuilt is essentially accelerating project delivery for energy, clean energy, and infrastructure that the world needs right now, especially um, cleaner and greener infrastructure that we need. Um, however, traditionally, you know, we have suffered from a lot of delays in capital projects uh, due to the siloed nature of designs and what's happened, supply chain and on-site safety. So Technobuild brings all of these stages of the project together on a machine learning powered platform and it accelerates the speed of execution and delivery while tracking carbon along the way. So we make sure that the infrastructure we're building is uh, really um, making an impact to our environment. Tell me a little bit. So that's really fascinating, especially the latter point you brought up, tracking the carbon. Yeah. How is that actually done? Does your program have an understanding of specific building materials used in projects, and then you could pull that data from there, and so there's a real-time following of carbon? Exactly. You've you've got it. It is as simple as that. Um, So um, we are pioneering using a digital cube, is what we call a digital cube of an asset. Now, there is an execution and there is an operating phase. So carbon happens while you're building it. That's about 10% carbon in the world is just Mm. by construction. And 30% is when you're building and when you're, sorry, operating it. So, but all those decisions are made early on during the design phase. So the materials that have gone in, how they have been procured and how they have been installed, uh, those decisions are made during design phase. And our platform can inform all the uh, designers of these assets uh, 
in a very tangible manner of what the carbon impact of the decision going to be. So right now, uh, so that's a very futuristic application of our platform. So we are building the data of how these digital blocks of these physical assets, how much carbon is embodied in them, and then how, and later on we can predict and give back, uh, optimize this sort of uh, carbon in the whole physical infrastructure. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So you're not only tracking like the carbon in like say a block itself, but you're yeah. also tracking the carbon of the construction with that block, right? Exactly. So there's two parts here. Yeah, uh, and the reason, I'll tell you the reason why we're doing it. Um, the built environment, you know, um, we tend to think that transportation is causes a lot of emissions in the world, but that's not true. 40% comes from the built environment. Right. And we don't have a solution there. You know what? We can't even manage costs in our built environment. 80% of projects go over budget and do beyond schedule. Carbon is a far-fetched thing at the moment. And that's why we started with this platform, which digitally integrates and uses machine learning optimization for every component that's gone in during the build phase. Um, hence, we are able to now also do the carbon. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's really interesting that um, the, cons the build phase, right, um, is very important. Why I'm, um, coming back to your point of why in, why it's interesting that in the build phase as well is the amount of infrastructure that's getting built in this world right now in the next two or three decades is the last hundred years put together. You are wow. talking about two and a half billion people on the planet needing clean energy and infrastructure, and that's going to be built over the next two decades. We are in a very fast phase of construction all over the planet right now. And by the time we build it in 20 years, none of those models that are predicting carbon uh, in 2040 have accounted for this massive amount of increase in building that's going to happen. Hmm. So, <laughs> hence, it is very important that we get it right on the build phase, uh, and that's been a key area of focus for us. Well, you are music to my ears because yeah. having been having being a CEO of a construction materials company right. in, uh, that it combines solar and building materials, www.solarblock.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing that we've, in a, my discovery phase as CEO of this startup, has been understanding who makes the decisions on the building materials themselves. And there's a little bit of a tug of war I see between architects and the, the contractors. Yep. Does your, how does your software program, how does it get practically used so that maybe there's a little bit less tugging of the war and a little bit more co co cohesiveness in decision making, because that that for me is one I'm still still kind of exploring right now. Yeah, um, great question, and it comes down to that supply chain. Who's making this decision over the supply chain? Uh, whether you know traditionally it is the architects, engineers, and the procurement that because they get early on in the game and the contractor has little say because they come in later in the game. Mm -hmm. So what our platform enables is a collaboration around the scope of work. Now that is again very interesting because traditional collaboration has been around tasks and activities which do not translate to all stages of the project properly. So suppose we are building the first floor of this whole building, right? And we have mechanical, electrical, and everything, steel structure, everything going on. Mm -hmm. So those scopes of work are, we gave a collaboration digital block, which the architects, 
the supply chain, the procurement team, and the contractor are able to collaborate on it. So there is a real-time visibility across the scope of work, and each party kind of has a say to where what activities it means for them within that scope. So the collaboration layer helps sort of smoothen some of this uh, decision-making. Uh, ultimately, right now, it's heavily driven by schedule because the supply chain of the materials, yeah. that's the traditional yeah. way of uh, doing it. Uh, however, as more and more uh, requirements come across carbon and incentive comes around it, so we believe that this decision-making will become more uh, more different because you might want to procure something that may be more expensive but less carbon budget, and maybe you can get carbon credits of it, and overall it works out better. What, what, what I see is an openness, a transparency of information about the building material. So better, it seems like better decisions can be made. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, who are the consumers of this information then? Is it, is it the lenders and the, the ESG investors and things like that? Are they pushing this? Yeah, so that's, again, a very interesting question. There's various routes to market because our tech platform is now enabling a real-time visibility right from design to execution to operating of the asset. Okay. Yeah. So our, we proved it first in the contractors and the engineers who were making, because they're going to be using the platform for, for their day-to-day activities. So that's workflow automation happening. And now we found that the project owners are the ones who have the most say for this. <laughs> so so we, get, no. <laughs> uh, we get a lot of um, early short cycle, kind of they get it. Oh, yes, I know my project gets delayed and I know that I don't have this visibility. We get it. Um, so right now it's the project owners um, whom we are speaking to a lot, the developers and the owners. Um, and um, however, we would like to try as a part of this urban feature labs. We are in New York now. Uh, there's a huge insurance market, and there's a project financing market. Um, traditionally, these people have been very hands off uh, to a project, um, but as more and more um, green. Maybe if I could call mandates. it. Mandates. Mandates are coming in. Uh, the IR, the Inflation Reduction Act, which provides a lot of incentive in the space. Um, this is some a platform the lenders or the insurance might want to look into because that it provides them, them visibility they've never been privy to before. So last question. Uh, yeah. We asked this of all our guests today. Yeah. So you're in this great program, Innovate yeah. UK, with Greentown yeah. Labs and UFL, two of the best incubators in the United States. Yeah. What do you what are your goals for the next 12 months and 24 months to get out of this program? So these are great programs. So for anyone listening, uh, you know, these are great programs to get into in this space. The um, knowledge and the community that's out there is super supportive. Um, and um, for us, it means uh, though getting on those early pilots prove some of the end application of our technology out with some of the key players, uh, like the energy developers and some of the procurement building material providers who will, and some of the, and test out some of the um, end customers who might be. As like a scale-up company, we are always honing our go-to-market strategy. And uh, so we need a very clear path to market out of this 12 months and a solid product roadmap to scale uh, in this environment out of the program here. 
Awesome. That's yeah. great. So tell us a little bit, really quickly, where can people find more information about Technobuilt? So Technobuilt, uh, you can go on our website, technobuilt.com, or follow us on uh, LinkedIn or uh, Twitter. And, um, yeah, I think it's been great chatting with you guys. Um, what really got us into Technobuild, our mission is to help the world build better, safely and sustainably, so that we build our energy homes in more in harmony with nature uh, in the future. I love it. Well, thank you very much. Great to have you as a guest, Abby. Thank, thank you. you so much. And we are back with our third and final guest. Uh, we feel very bad for this gentleman because this is what our six or seven drink. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. This I is think the, the questions should get funnier. Exactly. <laughs> oh, now there's more pressure on us. Uh, but we're really happy to have Arun with us, who is the CEO and founder of Electric Miles. So, Arun, please tell us about your company and what yeah, you guys yeah, are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, delighted, delighted to be uh, at this show, and uh, thank you for having me. So, yeah, uh, hey, we are Electric Miles. Uh, I mean. Tr- Three sort of five years back, I bought my first electric car, and uh, was obviously when Tesla was sort of really booming up. And 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 I'm a technologist. I love technology. I'm one of those guys, early early adopter of any new tech. And I was so excited about the concept of it, you know a car working on electricity and and no fossil fuel. I'm like delighted. But I, I went in. I didn't have a lot of money at that time. I went in and bought a second hand electric car, Nissan Leaf, right? Japanese car, which is a, it was quite a shitty condition at that time, but, but that's what I could afford. I'm like, oh, let's get it, you know? Awesome. And, uh, and started experiencing it. And, oh my God, it was terrible. I think uh, trying to be that early adopter, I would not sleep properly thinking, oh my God, am I going to have enough charge? And I was confused when to charge, how much to charge. I had to carry like six, seven cards to charge in a public station. Every There was no interoperability. And uh, I mean, my day job, uh, I was an energy consultant and, uh, and a technologist. And I, I used to run my small consultancy company. And I used to work for big, big firms and making decent money. Uh, but I was sort of helping them with technology and then when I started experiencing this, and then, then the big news came in, that Paris climate change and UK government made the announcement that, you know, that yes, we're going to, 2035, we're going to ban petrol and diesel car. That was the day. That's it. This is a big problem. This is happening. The experience is shitty. The consumer, customer experience is terrible. And I'm going to solve this. And, and, and. And, and that's how Electric Miles was born and faster. Well, tell us what Electric Miles does. Yeah, so, 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 so we are uh, a software as a service, and we, we, we basically uh, have a, a software for installer who install the charger outside your home or your business to ensure the experience is great. But our main product is the driver's app. So we do smart charging for, 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 for drivers, and we use data intelligence to make the right charging decision so that our mantra to the driver is that, hey, come home, plug your car in, go and, go and, go and watch Netflix. You know, Don't think and worry about when to charge. So we use data intelligence, we use machine learning, and we decide the best schedule for the driver and dispatch it. And so the, by the time the driver is up in the morning, his car is ready for his need. 
So we don't just blindly charge 100%, 100% of the time because we see a lot of energy depleting overnight, especially in cold weather, and energy depletion is energy wastage. So, so that's on the one side. On the other side, we got relationship with the grid. We got 30 megawatts of contract in the UK, and we then balance supply and demand. So we try to charge when the grid is less constrained and, and keep the drivers happy on the other side. If we do that, we get paid by the grid, and obviously we get paid on... So it's a two-sided market for us. Uh, so it's about matching supply and demand real-time and match charging need to grid constraint. Oh. That's what our product does. It's very cool. So do you have a you have a hardware component and a software no, component? No, no hardware at all. We ah. uh, partner with other hardware manufacturers, so we make the... The thing is that a lot of these hardware manufacturers, obviously a lot of stuff come from China and the Asia, uh, South Korea and 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 a lot of the sellers here in in UK, Europe and US they are sales and market organization they don't understand product they, they don't understand tech they just want a box shift so we go and say to them partner with us we'll put our sticker on the charger so that you don't have to worry about the the tech side which is the hardest part and and we will keep your drivers happy because our product is always well researched and stuff. So the the experience is uh, scan the QR code on the charger, and as long as that charger has internet, we can connect, control, and make the right charging decision. Hmm. Wow! I think I think we kind of both lit up when you talked about the fact that you already have contracted electricity from the grid. Yeah, that had to be tough conversations with utilities early on to get them to understand what you were doing. Tell us a little bit about what was this, maybe not the secret sauce, but how did you approach them and how did you get them to respond positively? Where was the where was yeah. the marrying of the idea and their need? Absolutely. Like, to be honest, I still remember my first meeting. I just had a proof of concept and did not have a product. I did not have nothing, right? Mm. But I went on with a strong belief that, listen, guys, you are already constrained. The grid uh, in the UK, obviously, all the the we are we are decommissioning a lot of the gas and the coal plants. The the, the dirty fuels uh, are being decommissioned. Our our only nuclear power plant is five years late, and we are dependent on wind energy and solar energy. And for a country like UK, where sun never rises properly, <laughs> we are in sh- we are in d- deep shit, right? Because uh, security of supply and all that. So the grid is aware of that. They they gotta invest three billion, three billion dollars, right? Right. And they they don't have that money, so they are now saying, grid is predicting tw- 20 percent of the demand is going to come from the people, which is demand side response, right? And the biggest asset at at mm. your home is your car, in terms of, uh, in terms of demand wise, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So really, that that demand side response for EVs is so important. And UK is actually one of the the one of ahead of the game in that sense, and they have actually. So they they just gave they saw they saw our thinking, our concept that okay, if I'm gonna have ten thousand, hundred thousand, a million cars connected, suddenly I have a virtual power plant, right? Which which right. is as big as a nuclear power station. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Interesting. Do you? Well, you kind of answered the question I was gonna say. It sounds like the UK is ahead of the curve versus the US on vehicle-to-grid adoption. This is not even vehicle-to-grid. This is V1G, not V2G. 
This is V1G means the first version of vehicle to grid where all you're doing is 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 delaying charging. Right. You're not you're not doing by any bi-directional charging, right? If we can know that the grid is constrained between four and seven p.m., shift all the all the. I mean, for a consumer, they don't really care if you're charging him at five p.m. or seven p.m. or nine p.m. He's he he's more bothered about. Am I going to have enough charge in the morning when I get up? Right. Yeah. And now with the COVID post-COVID world, with the hybrid style of working, people are, are a lot more. Right. Right. So that has also changed uh, because pe- people are no longer getting up at nine in the morning and driving driving to work, right? People are very fragmented. So we also use calendar tech. So we look at people's calendar, if they allow us hmm. to, and see how far are they going, how busy is their diary, and, and, and try to be the, the Alexa of EV, right? Uh, that personal I service. It. I love it. This is really cool. Um, okay, so the question we've been asking all our guests, great, pro- great product, great concept. You are involved now with Innovate UK, We've got Urban Future Lab and Greentown Labs, two of the best incubators in the United States, arguably. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your expectations are by being a part of this program, and where do you, what do you define as success 12 months from now or two years from now? Absolutely. I, I'm so excited being being part of this, and uh, and I think it's been an eye-opener trip already. And I think uh, the U.S. is the biggest market in the world, no doubt. You, know, you guys love driving. You guys love driving around and love driving in your trucks and and <laughs> on your interstates, but uh, but I I'm disappointed. The penetration is still very very low in an EV, like uh, uh, especially in New York State and New Jersey. Uh, even your taxis are not EV. If you come to London, Germany, and you go, seventy percent of the taxis are already EV. Hmm. And I jumped into three four taxis and. And the, the drivers are saying that they're not incentivized anymore. But so I think the government needs to do a lot more. But I think being part of this program, I think the problem is far bigger than I thought. And uh, and and yeah, if if the if the if the administration and the po- the politics supports this green green revolution, which I hope now with Trump out and uh, hopefully the next go- next government and Biden is obviously very supportive. So. Yeah, we gotta ha- we gotta make it happen, and and you you would need the software what we have to make it happen because uh, because yeah you guys have the same issue with infrastructure as Europe. Yeah, but, agree. Yeah. So obviously California is, is slightly ahead of the curve, but California is just one twelfth of your, of the country. So 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 I think there's 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 lot lot and and as an entrepreneur, I get excited by the problem. And I think the problem is huge, and 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 we we already got a solution which can make it happen. Yeah, so cool, very cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, listen. Uh, first off, where can people go to find out more about Electric Miles? Yes. Yeah, so uh, please uh, go to our website electricmiles.com uh, and follow us on LinkedIn. We got very active LinkedIn page. If you type us on LinkedIn uh, on Electric Miles, we we write a lot of blogs and our, our stories. And uh, and yeah, please. Uh, and if you want to email me directly, if you like any of the things I heard, we are looking for partners. We're looking for people. Looking if you believe in our mission, please come join us. Uh, so email me at arun a r u n at electricmiles.co.uk. Perfect. Well, we hope to have you back maybe in a year or two and hear about all the great success. Yeah, yeah, I'll be so. back in June. For sure. Excellent.
Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. Cheers. Cheers. Cool. Wow. Our first remote back in my old <laughs> stopping grounds of Brooklyn. It was pretty good, huh? Yeah, we got this cool mask behind us, too, and everything. It's like we're really in a startup incubator here. Right? Yeah, it's kind of a little beautiful <laughs> mind thing going on, too, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, we need some taped articles uh, as well. But look, we got our logo. Yeah. So I guess we're moving on up. But this is a great episode. Really shout out to Urban Future Lab and Greentown Labs. They are, doing, they are prolific in helping startups get to where they need to be. So... Um, you know, before we get off the air, we got to do our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed by Lucas and myself are only those of ourselves and not any organization we may be affiliated with. And if we talked about any public companies with public securities, please do your homework with a, a registered investment advisor before making any investment decisions. Right. And any predictions or forecasts we make are for entertainment purposes only. You should not rely on them or make any bets. Based on anything that we say, we will not be liable. <laughs> do not do not rely on us for anything. Legally speaking. Damn you. Do anyway. not rely on uh, you and your you and your friends can find us on YouTube. Uh, you search for parts of Clean Jackie, click subscribe. We're also on your favorite podcast venue, uh, Apple, Spotify, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Search for parts of Clean Tech and click follow or subscribe and tell all your friends that they should do the same. Awesome. Well, this was a great episode, our first remote, hopefully the beginning of many. Thank you to our hosts at Urban Future Lab, uh, to Patricia and uh, Hero and everybody else. So, Yeah, if you don't know about them, you can check them out at ufl.nyc. They have a lot of interesting programs. They have a carbon value initiative. Yeah. They have this partnership with the UK. They have one with uh, the Dutch also. It's a Danish, I think, as well. Danish. Yeah, check one out Greentown Labs out of Boston as well. Uh, they do a lot with UFL. And, uh, I mean, Greentown Labs even opened up an office in Houston. Uh, so good stuff going on there. So Yeah, they support Clean Start Certificate out of NYU also you can check out. So, yeah. I think we drank Great all place. this. I think we, there's a happy hour, but we drank all the beer already. I know. There's so no beer out there. We better, we better escape before people get angry. <laughs> the, we don't want angry millennials coming after us. Well, with that, I'm Eric Planey. I am Lucas Finko. We are the pirates of clean tech. Yeah. Yeah.